All right, church, let's take our Bible and turn to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And whenever I say that, I know I have about four or five minutes to do something. So it'll take you a little bit to get over there, Habakkuk. I just want to say thank you so much for the wonderful singing that blessed my heart and, and was encouraging. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to get up and preach after that. I mean, I, y'all said just about everything. And then even in the middle of the song, it said, if you got King Jesus, you don't need a preacher. So <laughs> I'm really not sure what to do here. Um, maybe we should just pray and, and go home. But no, I need to. Yeah, somebody said amen, right? Uh, sister, just for that, it's an extra 15 minutes. So, boy, I'll tell you. Um, Boy, it's been a, been a great pleasure just to, to be with you uh, past few nights. And uh, today had opportunity with Bo and Ashley and Wren. We went to Statesboro and uh, drove around there. So I got to and go, by, um, go by the campus there and uh, Georgia Southern and see, uh, see some of that and so relive some uh, memories, some sweet memories for them. And, and then this evening for dinner, uh, has anybody been to a place called Papa Buck's? Am I the only one that's been there in the past? Okay, I just, it's a new place in town, but you should try it. And uh, but I'm telling you, know, I had, a, I had a, what was that? I did I, what did I have a Scooby Doo, a scrap? I don't know. I had like, I had a whole bunch, and whatever it is, I'm almost in a diabetic coma at this point. But um, but a wonderful time together, and and brother and sister appreciate uh, being there with you and. Uh, you know, just um, just a joy to be with you again this evening. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, uh, I understand that a lot of times um, the congregation will kind of uh, adopt and take on a, a little bit of the spirit of the leader uh, of your pastor. And uh, I think that says a lot for the, the pastor that you have and the people that are here. Uh, everybody's just been so sweet and kind and gracious and I know this is the kind of church where there is never any problem this is a perfect church is that right (laughs) and uh no certainly not but you know what just sensing a great spirit about you and uh, brothers and sisters I just um you know I don't want to give him a big head uh, because you know his hair is already up there just a little bit but uh uh, I just want to remind you, um, I'm here uh, to, to teach and to kind of be a shepherd for you, at least on these nights. And um, I want to remind you that uh, October is uh, Pastoral Staff Appreciation Month, and uh, you have a good pastor. And there are all kinds of churches that don't have good pastors. And uh, I wish that I had enough time to sit down with you, uh, one-on-one, all of you, and share with you the crushing burdens of being a pastor but you think about the burdens that you have in your life and maybe you have a large family of four or five or ten people but uh you know you have a church here of a couple of hundred folks and a little bit of your life a little bit of your burden um, this dear brother bears every day of his life and so i just want to encourage you to remember him uh, and his family as well uh, this month and every month right not just this month but uh, try to remember them in your prayers. Take care of them uh, where you can and lift them up uh, before the Lord. So this evening, uh, I, I want to bring you a, a message from Habakkuk chapter number 3 and verse number uh, 1 and 2. And so let me read these verses for us. We'll go to the Lord in prayer and then see what He has to say. And so the Bible says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiganoth, Right? And I went through several years of seminary just to be able to say that. 
I have no idea whether that's right or not, but I'm told if you read it with confidence, nobody will ask you. So according to Shiganoth, right? O Lord, I have heard the report of You. Or I have heard Your Word. Or I have heard Your report. And that should bring back to you Isaiah 53.1. Who has heard our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? O Lord, I have heard Thy report of You. And Your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst or in the middle of these years, revive it. In the midst of the years, you see it repeated again, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Would you join me in a word of prayer tonight? Our Father, we come to You and and thank You again for um, all of these nights together. Thank You for the music this evening uh, and a time of prayer just to worship together as our sister sang and and, uh, lifted us up uh, to see Jesus a little clearer as He is King Jesus, Lord, and our hearts are filled. And now I pray for a few minutes of time that uh, we would focus our minds, our hearts, our souls upon Your Word and that You would transform us into the image of Jesus. Lord, I need You in this moment to make my mind clear and bright and that all that I've looked into, that I would be able to say, Lord, and that You would move upon us by Your Spirit to help us tonight to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. For it is in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. I was thinking earlier today, it's kind of uh, uh, looking at Wren and missing my, uh, my wife and my son. I have a, a seven-month-old baby boy. His name is James. And uh, last night, and, and sometimes around the house, when it's time for Wren to take a nap, you know, you got to just tiptoe through the house, right? You don't want to knock anything over. You don't want her uh, to wake up. And so you be extra, extra careful. And uh, my little boy is much the same way. But I don't know if you've had this happen or not. But you ever get a baby just just so asleep? And, you, you know, you lay them down there in the crib, And you're just hoping and pleading in your insomnia-like state where you have had no sleep for days on end. You are begging God that the child does not wake up. Isn't that right? And you know what it is. You just, you kind of tiptoe around. You know, you you usually leave the water running when you brush your teeth, but you like run it under the water and shut it off real quick. Brush your teeth. You come back out. My wife and I, we, we do that every night. We go through this ritual where we are trying to make sure that our sleeping baby does not arise. And do you know what happens inevitably every time? You know what happens, right? I get over there and I'm, I'm in the dark and I've got my light on my cell phone on. I'm trying to see how to get to the bed. And sure as the world, how you knock something over, you make a noise, you drop your phone. Or even worse, you stub your foot on a corner. And it's everything you can do not to cuss because you've been at Revival the past two nights. And the other, the other spouse is laying there in bed. And if you're the one that makes the noise, you inevitably hear the... <sighs> and that sinking feeling when you hear baby start to cry. You know, brothers and sisters, I, I think that this evening, uh, I, I just simply want to speak to you about the plea of revival. 
Sunday evening, we uh, talked a little bit about what the purpose of revival is. And you'll remember carefully if you're thinking that I said that the purpose of revival is to rejoice, to find your joy, to find your satisfaction, to find all that it means to live, to be within the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I told you, and I'll tell you again, I'm not sure if this is new for you, but revival is not emotionalism. Revival is not a bunch of people getting saved. Revival is not a bunch of bars and and, uh, seedy places being shut down. Those are results that happen from a revived heart. But revival is ultimately when God's people begin to come back to Him for joy and rejoicing and satisfaction. And the idols of our heart of money and time and work and relationships and whatever it is in your life that you find more satisfaction in than Jesus, that is an idol. And true revival is when those idols are knocked down and pushed out and Jesus becomes the rejoicing factor in your life again. Last night we looked about those conditions of revival and we said that really the conditions of revival are to look to heaven and to worship God for His glory and His honor and His praise and who He is and to exalt the King of glory and to be low and humble in our own hearts. You remember we talked about that the condition of revival is a humble heart and a broken heart over our own sin, over our own wickedness. And we said that many times as believers in our life, we remember remember the day that we trusted Jesus. We remember the day that we rejoiced in Christ alone. But there are sins in our life that cover up that day. And we need to be broken over our sin. And humble before the Lord. And maybe, just maybe, when we exalt God for who He is, and we bow our own hearts low before Him, maybe He would bring revival. This evening, I simply want to talk to you about a plea or a prayer for revival. And in this time together, let me just point out from this verse three points for you. Here's the first one. I would say that it is a plea for us to wake up to the Word of God. It is a plea for us to wake up to the Word of God. Look at what he says in verse number 1. This is a prayer from Habakkuk the prophet. And if you were to open up to chapter number 1 and verse number 1, you would find that he is called a prophet there as well too. And so at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book, the plea and the prayer comes from God's prophet. And God's prophet even in this church has been praying and moving upon the church body here to bring about a sense in which God's Spirit would come and bring revival. And so it is a prayer from the prophet here and it says according to Shiganoth and you say what in the world is that well you know it's a bit of a musical term now did you hear him up here when they said that it's a toe tap and hand clapping kind of song that's what Shiganoth means it means the swaying back and forth, the moving back and forth, and that the heart of a believer it starts to move again. And we experience the joy of the Lord. We place ourselves under the conditions of the Lord. And now we begin to play, pray and plea and ask God to bring His power and His goodness and His mercy and His Spirit to bear upon our lives. And if we're going to do that, we must be the kind of people that pray that we would wake up to the Word of God in our lives. Look at what it says. O Lord, I have heard Your 
report. The word here for heard means simply to listen, but not only to listen, but to listen with the idea here to obey. And you know what I find is that there are many people in church life that know a lot about the Bible, but they don't obey the Word of God. And the Bible says that we are not simply to be hearers only, but that we are to be doers of the Word of God. And I I, I know that there are a lot of people in this room tonight, maybe you know the Bible even better than me, and say, well, I'll tell you what, I, I know this, and I know this, I've been, I have this Bible, I have that version, I carry my Bible to church. And the issue is not, do you carry your Bible to church? The issue is, are you obedient? Are you listening to the Word of God in your life? Are you appropriating God's Word for your own soul every single day? Do you bring your Bible to church on Sunday and on Wednesday, but you don't pick it up the rest of the week? Or maybe you pick it up and you read devotionally, but you don't allow it to challenge you and change you. What are you doing with God's Word? I have a sneaking suspicion that in this room tonight, some of you are asleep when it comes to God's Word. Oh yeah, you know, you're culturally Christians. And revival is a part of the way you live life. And you do this uh, maybe once a year. You come to church on Sunday because that's what people in the South do. But dear sir, you treat your wife like trash. And the reason why is you don't open the Bible and read it and allow it to change you to be conformed to the image of God. And so you're one way at church and you're another way to your spouse at home. I wonder if there are members of this church and you spend time gossiping and talking bad about other people and laughing at folks behind their back. And the reason why you do that is because you have the Bible in one hand, but you don't obey it in the other hand. Are you obedient to God's Word? Are you awake and alive to the Word of God? The Bible says that the Bible is like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. That it tears up the fallowed ground of our hearts. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 that it accomplishes the purpose for which He sends it to. The Bible says that I will hide Your Word in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Thy law. And I have a, a suspicion in my heart that maybe in this southern culture that you know a lot about the Bible, that you could answer all the trivia questions, that you hold the right one, you bring the right one, but are you really living every day awake to the Word of God in your life? I know that kind of preaching doesn't garner a lot of amens, but what I want you to know is I don't need amens. God wants you to make changes in your life tonight. I don't need you to be six rows deep down here at the altar time. I'm not going to tell you a bunch of tear-jerking stories. But if I leave here when this revival is over and you're closer to the Lord Jesus and you actually open your Bible and read it and obey it and have a changed life because of it, you'll be better. And that, my friend, is the revival of God for your soul. I remember years ago, I um, was um, 
a lot younger in the Lord, and uh, I, I had a chip on my shoulder. I thought I knew everything there was in the Bible. And uh, now y'all don't laugh at me because I know you're the same way at times, right? Think you know everything there is to know. I was a young preacher, and I remember uh, my sister-in-law's mom. Uh, we were all together, in, uh, and we were playing this Bible trivia game, and she knew every answer, and I knew no answers. And I remember walking out of there that night, and I remember thinking, well, she got all the easy questions, and I got all the hard questions. Pride in my own heart, right? I began to study, and I wanted to know. I wanted to know all of those answers. I wanted to be able to, I wanted to be able to know that Bible trivia, and I wanted to be better, and I wanted to be better. I was defeating the entire purpose, and you can learn everything there is to learn in the Bible, but if you're not being changed and humbled, and God is shaping you by the Word, and you're becoming a doer of it, then it is all for naught. I know some people, even in my own family, who will fight tooth and nail and say things that are hurtful because they have an affiliation for a particular version of Scripture. But when they get up every day, they're not living like Jesus. And I just want you this evening to walk out of here tonight saying, you know what? I'm going to wake up And I'm going to read God's Word. And I'm going to do what God's Word says to do. Will you make a commitment like that tonight in your own life? Will you say, you know what? I I come to church, I bring the Bible, but I'm not reading Scripture. And I'm not being obedient to what I read. You know, my, my dad and my brother, both of them are preachers, and they're far smarter than me, they, um, and they're brilliant people. Uh, they got the brains. I'm not exactly sure what I got. I didn't even get any of the looks, all right? But my, and especially my, my brother, he can read the Bible through every three months. Is that nuts? Every three months he can read the Bible through. And I remember when I was early on in my Christian life, especially as a preacher, I was thinking, man, I got to do that. That's what I got to do. I got to read the Bible every three months, every three months. And I was failing and falling short, and I could never get that accomplished. And the Spirit of God moved into my heart and reminded me that it wasn't so much, that may be good for them, but it wasn't so much about me getting through the Scripture in three months, but it was about the Scripture getting through to me. That's not a that's not a cop out for you not to read, but that's a that's a privilege and that's a a permission for you to simply read a little bit of scripture every day and appropriate it into your life. When you read the Bible, you need to transfer that over into your relationships. You need to transfer that over into your workplace. You need to transfer that over into your own personal life and let the scripture transform you into the image of Jesus Christ I don't know how many evangelical Christians I know who will sit in church shout down preachers say amen do all of it right and they never ever ever wake up to the truth that they need to read scripture And allow it to change their life. And so I want you to receive that tonight. I want you to wake up to the Word of God 
and allow it to change you. Let me give you a second point this evening. The plea is for us to wake up to the Word of God. The plea in this passage is for us to wake up to the work of God. Look at what it says. O Lord, I have heard Your report. And then he says here, and Your work. O Lord, and in the presence of Your work, I fear, I tremble, I reverence You, I give You all in praise. In the midst of the years, revive it, restore it, put life into it. In the midst of the years, make it known again. And I would say to us that we need to reverence and love the Lord and to wake up to the work of God when it comes to redemption and restoration. Or when it comes to salvation and sanctification. When it comes to evangelism and when it comes to discipleship. The Lord is doing a work in the midst of our years and we must wake up to what he is doing he is working he is accomplishing things this church ought not to look the same a year from now as it does now you ought to be on board and moving with the work of God of restoration and redemption in your community. It is not just about the same few people coming into the same walls and worshiping the same way, but you ought to be carrying the work of God into your community so that men and women and boys and girls of every ethnic group, of every age, whatever your community looks like, you ought to be taking them the work of salvation through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are to be an evangelist. I am to be an evangelist. We are to share the Gospel and share our testimony and tell people about what Jesus has done for you. Now listen, if this church ever grows, it will not be on the back of Bo Folgenetti. It will be on your backs. The Bible says that He has called pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The issue is not for you to come cheer Him on every week. The issue is for you to go out into the highways and the byways and the hedges and to share the gospel truth with unbelievers and bring in the sheaves and then they'll be discipled. Amen? Hey, let me ask you this. And this question goes to you and to me. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? And, you, and we, we call ourselves Christ followers. And the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He came not for those who were whole, but He came for those who needed a physician. And if Jesus came to seek and to save lost people, pray tell, what is our job? To tell unbelievers about Christ. Go into all the world and Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Brother or sister, when you share the gospel with somebody, you are awake to the work of God in the world. But the problem is most of us are asleep 
We are passing through life in some dull, dead, zombie-like state where we enjoy what we want. We leave what we don't want. We don't want anybody to mess with our lives. We love our ball games. We love our Friday night lights. We love our movies. We love what we do on the weekends. And if somebody happens to get saved, great. But if not, don't bother my life. I tell you, you are asleep. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up to the work of God in the world. I'm a pastor, and so I want to encourage you. I, don't, I want to lay that in your lap in a heavy way, but I want to say to you, you're looking at a man that needs that message as much as you do. And can I tell you, I get scared to death to share the Gospel one-on-one with people. I feel really comfortable right here. This is kind of like my living room of life. But man, when I, when I talk to somebody at a restaurant or at a gas station or at the bank, and you know there's that moment. Listen, I'll just share. It's okay. I was sharing time. Confession is good for the soul, right? So I'm in the grocery store. I told our people this other week. I was in the grocery store the other day. I had had a long afternoon. My wife asked me if I could stop, and I hate stopping on the way home. And I stopped because I needed to. It was right. So I stopped at the grocery store. I'm standing in line, and there's a guy. Hey, how you doing? Fine. What'd you do today? Nothing. Work. Where are you going? Home. What are you doing? Shopping. What do you do for work? I pastor the church up the road. I put my groceries in the bag and I walked out. Man, I got to the car. And the Spirit of God convicted my heart. And I said, Steve, how many times in life does a lost person look at you and beg for you to give them the Gospel? Every door in the world was open for me to invite him to church or share my testimony or give him the gospel. But I was asleep. I was walking. I was living. But I was spiritually asleep. I was slumbering. I wasn't awake to the gospel work of God in the world. And that weighs on my soul. And I say that in my failure, in my weakness. So that as a family tonight, believers in this room tonight, maybe you would come alongside and identify with me and say, yeah, there's times in my life where I'm alive but I'm dead. Where I'm a walking dead person. Where I'm asleep and I'm not awake to what God is doing around me. On a practical level, you say, Steve, how do I start? Listen, you know what you could do? Just invite somebody. Do you know that the vast majority of unchurched people are people who have never been invited to church? Why don't you find somebody this week you can invite to church this coming Sunday? You know, you know let me give you another way that you can begin to share the gospel in, a, in an easy kind of working into it. You don't have to be the guy downtown with the bullhorn and like a sandwich board on that says Turner Barn. You don't have to do that. You know, the way, here's an easy way to do it. Why don't you just expose your faith a little bit? They say, see, what does that look like? And that means like when you, when you talk to somebody and they say, you go to work, uh, maybe tomorrow, they say, uh, how's your week going? You could say, hey man, I went to a church last night and heard a crazy guy preach. <laughs> but you know what? That guy was talking about Jesus. Do you, do you know Jesus? Do you go to a church? Yeah, almost every Monday, you'll go into work and somebody will say, what would you do this weekend? I went fishing. But you know what? On, on Sunday, I went to church. And Brother Bo brought a good sermon about Jesus. It could strike up a conversation. Another good way is to find where people are hurting and meet them there. 
How many times in your life do people tell you, random people tell you the horrors of their life? And rather than being Oprah or Dr. Phil or just being bored to death of their issues and thinking in the back of your mind, I got enough of my own, sister, leave me alone. <laughs> you know you're like that. Come on. Well, we're just family. Man, I got enough problems of my own. Deal with yours. Instead of being like that, what if you just said something like, man, I, I'm so sorry that that's going on. Can I tell you where I found help? You know what else you could do? You could share your testimony. Sometimes when I'm talking with somebody, I'll just simply say, you know, hey, John, is it okay if I just share with you the most important thing that's ever happened in my life? Most of the time, people will say, yeah, and I, I, I just share the gospel through my testimony. I'll say, you know what? When I was seven years old, I realized in my own soul that I was empty and I needed something more than I had. I, I, wasn't, a, I wasn't a drunk seven-year-old. I hadn't smoked a lot of dope at that point. I wasn't on my way to the electric chair for massive crimes. I was just a, a pretty normal seven-year-old boy that got in a lot of trouble with friends. But somewhere in my life, I realized that I needed something more than what I had. And somebody told me that Jesus died on the cross. He was God's Son and He rose again. And if I gave Him my life, He'd give me a new heart. John, has anything ever like that happened to you in your life? If you want revival in this church, it's not going to come by some mysterious wind blowing out these windows and we stay here to four in the morning. Although sometimes God does some unusual things. If you want revival in this church, you'll wake up to the Word of God in your life and you'll wake up to the work of God of redemption and the work of God in restoration. And what does it say here? It says that when we wake up to the work of God, that we fear Him. We stand in awe of Him. We reverence God. So what does it mean to fear God? How, how awesome is He? What does it mean to fear God, to reverence Him? I was telling Bo this afternoon, a couple years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to England and to uh, go to Ireland. And we were in the uh, uh, southwestern corner of Ireland. We went to the Cliffs of Moher. And uh, they're about 700 feet from the top down to the bottom. And it was a rainy, a windy day. And we were standing there right on the edge. And you're just... You're just you're taken away. There's nothing you can say at the beauty and the glory and the majesty. I mean, you were just in awe of how beautiful these cliffs are. And then I, my wife looked over and she said, hey, look at that. And there was a sign that said, don't jump. There's help inside. You know why? Because every year many people step off of those cliffs and take their lives. And in one moment of time, you understand that the glory of God and fearing Him means that I stand in awe of the beauty and the goodness of God and I also have a fear in my heart of understanding that He is as dangerous as stepping off of that cliff. And if you want to fear God, if you want to walk with Him, you've got to be awake to the work of God in the world. Let me give you one last point tonight. Look back down at the text. He says, hey, listen, will you revive that work in the middle of our years? In the midst of the years, make it known. And look at this beautiful way to end this verse. In wrath, remember mercy. 
Now let me give you a little lesson here quickly from the Bible that is not preached that often. And that is that God does have wrath and it is justifiable. It is righteous indignation. And it belongs on every human being in the world who does not trust Him. Our sins, our wickedness, our iniquities, our transgressions stink in the nostrils of God. Every lie you've ever told, every time you've ever gossiped, every bad thought that you've ever had, everything that you've said wrong to anybody is a sin and offensive before a holy and a mighty God. And He has just wrath on those who do not turn to Him. But aren't you glad that the text says, in your wrath, would you have mercy? You want to know where uh, wrath and mercy meet? Wrath and mercy meet at the cross of Calvary. God poured out His just wrath that belongs on Steve Tillis. But He didn't pour it out on me. He poured it out on His willing Son who died in my place. The wrath of God meets the mercy of God for you at the cross. I want you to wake up to the wrath of God and the mercy of God. Maybe you're in this room this evening and you have kind of been walking like a dead person. You're just living your life and doing your thing. Now is the time for you to wake up. Now is the night. This is the time. I wish that I were some better preacher. I wish that I could shout the walls off and maybe reach down and stir your soul. But God's going to have to do a work that I cannot. But I deliver to you the message and the truth of the Gospel that unless you repent and turn from your sin, you will perish eternally in hell. And you must, you must, you must wake up to the wrath of God that it is real and it abides on you. And if you leave here tonight without Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and God forbid you die before you get home, His wrath that was poured out on Christ will then be poured out upon you. But if you will come to the cross this evening and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all of the wrath of God is met by the mercy of Jesus Christ. And He will give you a new heart. He will put His righteousness into your life. And I say that for those that are lost, but I want all of the believers in this room to wake up to the wrath and the mercy of Jesus Christ and share that again afresh in your own life. And with everybody that you come into contact with tomorrow. I finish by telling you this. You want me to tell you what breaks the heart of pastors? When they look out week after week. And they see brothers and sisters. Who genuinely have come to faith in Christ. But they're so busy with their own life. And the brother pastor knows in his heart, well, that person can't spend every day at church like me. That person can't give a, you know, 110 hours to study. 
And he says, I I know, I I know they've got lives to live and they've got children and there's ball games to go to and dance recitals and and work and overtime and all of these things. And he knows that, that brother pastor knows those kinds of things are going on in your life every day. He knows that. But week after week and month after month, he'll watch a good couple sit in church inoculated to the gospel, asleep in their own minds, living their own lives, satisfied that if nothing else moves and everything's okay and there's money in the bank and the kids are happy and school is going okay, then I'll just rock along and I'll come to church on Sundays and this is my life. This is my little church. This is my little town. This is the way I want to live the American dream. And deep within his heart, he knows that you are asleep in slumber and you have not woken up to the Word of God, to the work of God, and to the wrath and the mercy of God. And he watches people who could be serving, who could be telling others about Christ, who could be praying for the power of God in this church, who could be moving and advancing the kingdom of God. But they're asleep. And so rather than tiptoeing around like me and my wife do, he runs in here every Sunday into the dark with his light. And he knocks over all of the things in your life as best as He can. And He tries to grab your attention and get you to wake up. Will you wake up tonight? Or will you stay asleep? 